Welcome back to Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. Today we're going to be starting part one of section one of the four crafts. Section one is covering Dr. Craft. Let's get right into the reading. And whosoever among you are sick and have not faith to be healed but believe shall be nourished with all tenderness, with herbs and mild food, and that not by the hand of an enemy. Doctrine and Covenants, section 42, verse 43. Dr. Craft. So these are the different parts that we'll be covering as we go over this section. Biblical instructions and examples. Early Mormonism and the medical profession. Love of money. The use of wholesome herbs. Faith to be healed. Gift of healing. Preservation of life. God's will be done. Latter-day doctors in a scientific medical world. Medicine as a religion, preventative medicine, drug cartels, hospitals, prescription drugs, fluorides, aluminum, vaccinations, cancer, surgical operations, chemical pollutants. The final answer. We're on page 13. Section 1 of Dr. Dr. Craft. Biblical instructions and examples. As innocent babies, we are born into a mortal world filled with sickness and afflictions. Throughout our lives, we learn what it feels like to be sick, hurt, cut, and bruised. But through such adversity, we gain a valuable lesson. We gain valuable lessons. For such experiences can teach us about the power of God and to rely upon Him. More often than not, unfortunately, mankind chooses to rely on doctors or the arm of flesh for cures and relief from those afflictions. But in spite of better sanitation, rapid access to emergency help, thousands of therapies and medicines, larger and closer and more numerous and modern facilities and better trained medical professionals, hospitals are still full and doctor's offices are still crowded. We spend more money for medical bills and medical insurance than ever before and seem to be getting less in return. The medical profession is growing instead of diminishing because of our sick society. Both in ancient and modern times, the afflicted have been able to choose between a doctor or the Lord or a combination of both. In determining the best procedure, Let's first consider the advice and warnings of some of the biblical prophets. 
page 14. Abraham prayed and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservant. Genesis chapter 20, verse 17. Moses prayed to the Lord that he would be that he would heal Miriam. Numbers chapter 12, verse 13. Hezekiah prayed for healing. Isaiah 38, verse 5 and 16. Elijah prayed and a boy was revived. 1 Kings chapter th- uh, 17, verse 21 through 23. The Shanuite son was raised from the dead by Elisha. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 32 and 37. A man whose deceased body touched Elijah's bones revived and stood up. 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 21. So this one's kind of cool. So they had um, Elisha, the prophet, was buried in this tomb. And the bones of a, or a, another person, I, I can't remember if it was the bones. But anyway, they touched the dead person touched the bones of Elijah when they were putting him in the sepulcher and the man was resurrected just by touching the dead bones of Elisha not Elijah but Elisha the prophet so anyway that is an awesome story and it's in 2nd Kings chapter 13 verse 21 Solomon said the Lord healeth all thy diseases in Psalms chapter 103, verse 3. And Isaiah said the Lord will heal the wounds of the people. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 26. God said, I wounded, uh, I wound and heal in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 39. The fear of the Lord in departing from evil will be healing to our body bringing health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 8. One particularly interesting account is about King Asa, who learned the hard way that it was better to trust the Lord for healing than to trust in the doctors. And Asa, in the thirty and ninth year of his reign, was diseased in his feet, until his disease disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease he sought not he sought not the Lord, but to the physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. Second Chronicles chapter sixteen verses twelve through thirteen. The New Testament gives several examples of healing power by the Savior himself the great physician, and he taught his disciples to go and to do likewise. These disciples of Christ came from many different backgrounds and occupations. Luke was a physician, and when he saw the miraculous and immediate healings that Jesus performed, it must have been even more impressive and faith-promoting to him than it was to the other apostles. Broken bones, lepers, blind and deaf were healed and the dead became alive again all bearing witness to the miraculous healings 
which must have been the very, a very rewarding and powerful to Luke, who had already committed himself to the health and welfare of others. Jesus went about Galilee, healing all manner of sick and all manner of disease. See Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 through 24. And also see Mark chapter 1, verses 32 through 34. Many of the sick in the streets who touched the border of his garments were healed. Mark 6, verse 56. Great multitudes came to Jesus to be healed. Luke 5, 15 and Luke 6, 18. He made the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Mark chapter 7, verse 37. He even cleansed and healed the lepers. See Matthew chapter 8, 2 and 3 and Luke chapter 17, 12 through 19. He healed a man with a withered hand in Matthew chapter 12, 10 through 13. He used his power to heal a dumb demoniac. Matthew chapter 9, verse 33. A blind and dumb demoniac in Matthew chapter 8, verse 22. And a demoniac in the synagogue, Luke chapter 4, verse 35. And two fierce at Gerushian demoniacs, Matthew chapter 8, 28 through 32. Luke records the healings of the centurion's servant, Luke chapter 7, 2 through 10, and also casting many devils or legions from a naked man who had been possessed with devils for a long time. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. Luke chapter 8, 29-33 Christ healed a deaf man with a speech impediment. Mark chapter 7, verses 32-35 And on numerous occasions caused the blind to see. Matthew 9, 28-30 Mark 8, 22-25 he healed several women who were sick or tormented with evil spirits. Luke chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. He cured a man if afflicted with palsy. Matthew chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. Hold on here. He healed a, a lunatic boy. Matthew chapter 17, verses 15 through 18, and a man with dropsy, which would be an edema or a tumor, and I'm not sure what an edema is, but let's look it up here. An edema is a condition characterized by excess of watery fluid collecting in the cavities or tissues of a body, also called dropsy. Oh, that's interesting. So a man um, with dropsy or basically a tumor. Anyway, that's in Luke chapter 14, verse 4. When Jesus gave his disciples power and authority to heal others, Matthew 10, 1, he described the manner in which, in which 
to do it. And they shall lay their hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Mark chapter 16, verse 18. He instructed the people to pray with faith for one another to be healed. Or on page 16. The disciples went forth and healed those with infirmities or unclean spirits. See Acts chapter 5, verses 15 through 16. They even used handkerchiefs and aprons as a means for healing. Acts chapter 19, verse 12. People healed the father, I'm sorry, Paul healed the father of Publius. Acts chapter 28, verses 8 and 9. And the list goes on and on. It is interesting to note that in none of these cases of healing were the sick individuals advising to seek out the services or treatments of a physician. In fact, there is an excellent account in both Mark and Luke about women who did go to the physicians and were unable and they were unable to heal her. But when she touched the hem or the tzitzit of Christ's garment, she was cured immediately. And a woman having an issue of blood for 12 years, which had spent all of her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him, came behind Jesus, and touched the border of his garment, which is his tzitzit, which is interesting because in that scripture in Isaiah where it says that the healing will be in his wings, it actually doesn't say wings there. It says tzitzi, which is a fringe that uh, we are supposed to put on our the borders of our garment. And the reason we're supposed to put those on the borders of our garment that came after the man was gathering sticks in the wilderness on the Sabbath. And they had to stone him to death because of his willful disobedience against God's commandments. And immediately after the stoning, Moses received a commandment that the children of Israel would put the tzitzit, or these fringes, on the border of their garments. And it's supposed to have a blue thread, and I think it's supposed to be white and blue, which are the colors colors of Israel. But anyway, they were instructed to put this on the borders of their garments so they could look at it and remember the commandments of God. And Jesus fulfilled the Torah perfectly, which means he lived it perfectly, which means he had the tzitzit, and that's what, uh, what this woman actually touched was his tzitzit. Anyway, continuing on, and immediately her issue of blood staunched. And like I said, this is also in Isaiah when it talks about the Savior and it talks about healing in his wings. It actually is talking, it doesn't say healing in his wings, it says healing in his tzitzit. So, just interesting stuff that I've learned along the way. Continuing on, Jesus said, who touched me? And when all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee, and saith thou, who touched me? And Jesus said, somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. 
And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and following down before him and declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. So this woman is amazing in her faith. This issue of blood made her unclean. And it was a a capital sin to be unclean and to touch one of the high priests or the rabbis or to touch the, the Torah scroll of God. And Jesus himself was a living Torah to his people. Not only that, he was a rabbi and a high priest. And it was it was punishable by death for her to touch him. Not only that, the unclean were supposed to stay outside of city walls. They weren't allowed in the city. So this woman risked death to go where Jesus was, to go in the city and to, to touch him. And I believe that she did so with fear, but she also did so with faith because she did not want to be discovered because she knew because of her own uncleanliness what the consequences were for her to be discovered not only within the city, but also touching a, a learned rabbi and high priest that Jesus was. But not only that, like, and I don't know if she realizes or not, but Yehovah sent Yeshua to deliver the Torah. And the Jews would keep the, the scroll of the Torah in the synagogues. But Jesus was literally the living Torah. The living word of God came among his people to teach them how to live perfectly and he never did away with those laws he said I come not to to do away with one jot or tittle or one of the smallest parts of the law and that these things would not be done away with until all things have been fulfilled And it wasn't talking about his resurrection or his crucifixion. It was talking about God's law is eternal. And God's law is still eternal. These things are still applicable. In fact, Jesus taught whoever teaches the least of the law to the people will be least in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever teaches men to disobey the Torah will be the least in the kingdom of heaven. But this woman, she went forth and she went into the crowd where she was not supposed to be just so she could touch the seat or the, the fringes on Yeshua's or Jesus's garment. And she believed that she would be healed and she was. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, 
Luke chapter 8, verses 43 through 48. Mark related this same incident in Mark chapter 5, 25 through 34, but gave a little more detail regarding the physician. Quote, And she had suffered many things of many physicians, and they had spent all and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Verse 26. We're on page 17. The main prescription recommended for the healing of the sick was outlined in James. Is there any sick is there any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord or in the name of Yehovah, Yehovah our Elohim. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and Yehovah our Elohim shall raise him up or the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. James chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. Thus through the prayers of faith and consecrated oil, we are instructed to heal the sick. Jesus sent the example for all those who would call themselves disciples With very little call for doctors, healing should be confined mostly to the religious realm rather than to the drugstore or the doctor's office. Three of the four Gospels record a particular reference by the Savior to physicians. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. Matthew chapter 9, verses 11 through 13. When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of a physician. But they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Mark chapter 2, verse 17. And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Luke chapter 5, verses 31 through 32. There is an interesting lesson to be learned from these passages. The Savior here was referring to himself as a physician trying to heal the sick. He was strong and secure enough in his position and belief that he could be associated and eat with the publicans and sinners in an effort to teach and influence them for the better without becoming tainted by such characters himself. Unfortunately, this is not necessarily the case with most men today 
who after a question, uh, continued association with such undesirable characters often become personally influenced by them, causing the teacher himself to eventually lower his standards and compromise his righteous desires. A physician has a better chance of healing others if he does not get close enough to become infected with the same disease of his patients. On at least one other occasion, Jesus was referred to as a physician, quote, and all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. Luke chapter 4, verse 22 through 24. Jesus had returned to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, Luke 4, 16, and went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. After he read from the book of the prophet Isaiah, the people apparently accepted more of him. They had heard of his miraculous healings in Capernaum and thought he ought to do the same in his own country. But he chided them for their lack of faith and inability to recognize a true prophet. As the great physician, Christ set the correct healing example for all other physicians to follow. When he said, come follow me, he was also talking to the doctors, both then and now. So that is the first part of this section. And um, like I said before, I am just going to do shorter ones. I'm not uh, doing the reader pro- program anymore. And, uh, you know, sometimes the chapters might be a little bit longer, but if I can break them up, I'm going to break them up because I was burning myself out before. And we're just going to continue on with a podcast format for now. Uh, simply because I, I have the open lines for people who want to call in and to ask questions. But when people don't call in and don't ask questions, there's no use in me putting this out there every night. Um, and I know people listen to this. I, I get a lot of people thanking me for doing these things. But uh, maybe it's just the fact that it's a public podcast and people don't want to be recorded even though they don't have to give us their name just where they're calling oh well i usually i like to ask for the first name and where you're calling from but anyway so i'm going to drop this one on tuesday morning and then i will work on more and hopefully i can get one podcast out for each weekday monday through friday and then if we have any demand for it, we'll, we can go to a radio show format once a week where we can have callers and stuff. But I'm not going to do that unless people ask for it. So 
Anyway, thank you for listening to the program. I hope you have a blessed and wonderful day. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.